want to go live on video but are a bit unsure where to start? Or maybe you already go live a lot but you are scared to sell. Download for free the Live Authentic Storytelling Guide. Six steps to infuse storytelling into your live videos. You'll get practical structure to help you convert your audience from raving fans to loyal customers. Go to www.livestorytellingguide.com and get your free guide today. So today's episode is all about stress. Uh, Who's stressed out? Anyone? Yeah, I thought so. So Susan Choi is a high-performance stress management coach and podcast host of Stress Proof, a top 100 podcast in mental health on iTunes. She is the founder of the Stress Proof Method, a program that helps high performers think smarter and feel better to rise above stress and break through to the next level of success. Susan currently works with startup sales executives, entrepreneurs, and other industry leaders worldwide. On today's episode, you'll learn what stress actually is, what to do with your big emotions and how to move out of your past, and how you can manage your stress and why a holistic approach is so important for you to master it. This is the Creative Soulpreneur Podcast. I'm your host, Nick Demas. Let's go. Susan Choi. Hey. Thank you so very much for coming on the podcast and being one of my very first guests. And I couldn't think of a better person when I first started to think about having a podcast. The first name on my list was you to come on. So I so, so appreciate having you. I know you all out there are in for such a huge treat. This person is a dear friend and an amazing human being. Thank you so much. And I feel so honored to be on your podcast because I know it's going to be amazing. And we talk about this all the time when we do lives and other types of interviews. But I remember when I first saw you, we just had that connection, that soul connection. And so I consider you a dear friend of mine. And I'm so excited to talk all things stress, anything you want. Yeah, let's go there right away. I love that you brought that up because you're known for being a stress expert. Let's just dive in. What is stress? So believe it or not, people want to say, oh, stress is my job. (laughs) (laughs) Stress is my coworker. Stress is my mother. But when we really drill down to the essence of what stress is, stress is simply a vibration in your body. It is an emotion. And, you know, our body does not know the difference between mental, physical, and emotional stress. So you can be overworking, like over-exercising, overworking, under-eating. You can be shaming yourself, be in judgment of yourself. That's mental. And then you can be in all sorts of emotional stress. And so when we're not managing that and when we're not even aware of our own contribution, which is like 90% of it, right? Aside from other types of external toxicity that our body can actually um, absorb, 90% of it is coming from our brain. It's coming from the mismanagement of our brain, of our mind and our thoughts. Whoa. 90% comes from the brain. So, well, I mean, that's, I'm just saying like that is a huge number. I don't know what the precise percentage is, but it's literally when we take out all the external factor, let's say, you know, you're in a house that has mold. We can't control that. But on top of that, what we're adding to that 
physical stressor is all of our judgment and emotional stress that's coming from your brain. Yeah. It's coming from a thought. You know, in, in, in yoga terms, we talk about that being what we say, chitta-vritti, niradaha, like the cessation of the fluctuations of the mind stuff, that you cannot control what happens to you, but you can control your reactions to it, right? And so stress, it sounds like, and you can tell me, no, 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 no. But it sounds like stress is a reaction Absolutely. to what is happening. Yeah, because there's always a stimulus, like what you were saying, some external thing that happens. And I like to call that just a fact. Like if a historian were to follow you around all day long for a year, they all that they would do is record the fact of what happens. Everything that comes after that, which is your response, most people just react, but if you're conscious, it's your response, that will determine whether or not it generates extra stress in your life. Mm. And so having the conscious awareness of that space in between the stimulus, which is the fact of what happened, and then your response is everything. It will determine the quality of your life experience. Oh, I love that. It'll determine the quality of your life experience. So what is that? What is that blocker? How do you stop that? How do you bring consciousness to it? So I always, it always takes some time, I think, for people to even stop being entertained by their own brain. I'm always telling people that we are like front row and center and we have this huge projection going on in our mind. And I call that the movie that is playing. And for a lot of people that are out there, they are playing a horror movie. And it's it's like they pause it right when the knife is about to stab you. <laughs> right? Like that's always happening. And for, for somebody, it could be the fact that when they go live, no one's joining and they forget their lines. For somebody else, it could be they go into a job and, you know, they imagine their coworker just annoying them over and over again. Another person, it could be breaking up with somebody. I mean, it could be so many things. That's why we're also individually unique in the way that we think. Mm. And so we have to just be consciously aware of the fact that we have a prefrontal cortex for a reason. That's like the decision-making part of our brain. And that part of our brain is conscious of the fact that we are even thinking something. I mean, you and I both know this. This is like consciousness, right? Conscious awareness. Right. Yeah. And so we have to, I always like to tell people like, what movie are you playing? Are you in a comedy right now? <laughs> no. Are you in an action scene <laughs> where, where you're being chased by somebody or maybe you're the one doing the chasing? But, you know, if, if this movie had a title, what would you title that in this moment? Oh, I love that. The storyteller in me loves that. That is amazing. Yeah, and it's just shining the light. It's just shining the light to get yourself to be even aware that you are playing a movie. Because mm. most people, they think that this is logic. They think that this is rationalizing data. They think that this is analysis of some form of, of you know, history or something that they're trying to solve. And they might be, but the fuel, the emotional response that they're trying to solve this problem is not good fuel, right? It's not clean. And that's how you know that you're just constantly playing this movie. You're allowing yourself to be entertained by your own brain. But the secret is, is that you're the one that wrote it. 
like we think that, oh, whatever we're thinking must be true and that it's just happening to us. I can't control my thoughts. But the truth is you're the one that's writing the script and you can flip the script at any time. But it's that awareness that people are missing. I think that's so important that you said that you can flip the script at any time, that you can change the narrative, right? And I, that's one of the reasons why I'm such a proponent of breath work and meditation, right? Why it's so important, I find, as a tool, it's a tool to help you flip the script. That Absolutely. That the reason that I sit in meditation is to become aware of my thoughts so that I can then manage them so that I don't, don't replay the horror film over and over again. Yeah, and let's talk about breath work. Okay. Because bring it. it that is so important. Yeah, this is your jam now. <laughs> but it's so important because what I think that what most people do is that they skip the part of feeling the stress because they think, oh, if I can just fix the problem, and which is why they hit replay, 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 because they're trying to find all the things that they can fix to make that feeling go away. But if you can just, whether it's using breath work or just sitting with yourself or taking a walk or whatever that is, if you can just breathe into that space and be with the emotion and not be afraid of stress, that gives you the space between that stimulus and response that we were talking about just a few moments ago to then shine a light on the movie, to then take a moment and think to yourself, what do I think about this thought? Like, what do I think about this movie? Do I like this title? Do I want to change the scene now? How do I want to show up? Like, it gives us that space to really inquire within because hmm. we're the director. Yeah, you're the director of your own movie, right? Like Yes, yeah, yeah. But if we're not, if we're not available to be intimate with our own feelings, then what we're going to do, and this is what most people do, is they try and control the entire universe. Meaning they try and delete people from their lives. They go and change their job. They think that they're in the wrong niche, right? Like they do all these things to escape the feeling, not recognizing that they were the one that generated it. And escaping a feeling only delays its inevitability to, to return. Absolutely. And typically return even louder and nastier, so to speak. So much so. So much so. I mean, that was me. I mean, I, I think people who know me know that I went through severe burnout and adrenal fatigue. Yeah, let's talk about that. Yeah. Tell me about that experience and what brought you there. Years of stress. <laughs> That's why I'm so <laughs> intimate with it. Because <laughs> I can uh, spot it a mile away. But, you know, in all honesty, it's been just constant years of trying to escape the feeling and controlling the circumstance of my life. And what that meant was every time I felt bad, I would literally travel out of the country. <laughs> or if I, if I wasn't enjoying, um, you know, even myself, I would go find a hobby. Like I was constantly trying to find something out there, not understanding that I was taking myself with me. Yeah. Right. I, I'm always, I'm always saying all the time that your brain and your heart are the two most important assets that you will ever have in your life. Why? Because whatever you do, wherever you go, you will have those two things with you. So it would serve you really well to learn how to manage your brain and how to manage, you know, all of your emotions. And so, you know, years of escaping myself, years of trying to control the circumstance and, you know, working with, I was that person where I over-exercised, under-ate, you know, just trying to control everything 
how people perceive me, how I perceive myself. And then one day combined with external physical stressors, I mean, there was mold in my apartment, my San Francisco apartment, love San Francisco, but my goodness, <laughs> didn't know that the mold was there. So all these things just came to a head. And finally, like you were mentioning before, if you're not with your emotions, I'm always saying too, like emotions are like a ticking time bomb, but the, the less you pay attention to it, the more it will make itself known to you. Yeah. And that was the moment where literally one day my body was so fatigued from all of that stress, emotional, mental, and physical, that it said, hey, sister, I can't do this anymore. I don't even know what you want me to do anymore. <laughs> AKA my circadian rhythm was totally off. And so again, I, and the reason why I'm so passionate about this too, is because I spent, and I think everyone should have a holistic approach to healing themselves, but I spent in the beginning, when I first got diagnosed with adrenal fatigue, I spent thousands of dollars on doctors, tests, all sorts of things, trying to heal the physical body. And then I realized, wait, this is just the band-aid. I'm just trying to dress the wound, but I'm not realizing that I'm holding like a scalding metal object to my skin. And that was my brain. And that was the mismanagement of not even understanding my heart, not even understanding how to be with myself and my emotions. And it wasn't until I did that work combined with all the other things that I just started to find myself in a completely new space. Well, to me, that sounds like you actually were doing the holistic approach, yes. mind, body, and spirit, not just one part. And you were, all, you were finding a way for it to coalesce together and work together versus, well, I'm going to go over here and work on this one particular thing and see if that works. Then I'm going to go over here. You actually had to create a holistic approach to your health through your, as you're saying, your brain, heart and body absolutely right like yeah the entire connection yeah you nailed it i mean because that's the tricky thing too with just focusing on the medical piece is that you could be using that to escape what you're feeling like you you could some people use that because they think that oh if i can just use this to feel better then life is better there and i don't have to be with all of this here yeah that eventually created all of it anyway <laughs> Yeah, I mean, as you know, and, and those that are listening, some of you know that I'm uh, directing this documentary about fibromyalgia, chronic uh, pain syndrome. Mm -hmm. And it's interesting because I have spoken to so many different doctors about it. And, and ultimately, it's similar, very similar in that it is a, while they think it is technically a brain issue, a pain signal issue, the only way that it seems to be effective in treating it is mind, body, spirit. Yes. A holistic approach to, to looking at the root in all three areas, not just one. So good. So good. I know. And, and I, I just want to take a moment and let that sink in for so many people that are listening to this podcast because that, again, that holistic approach of bringing your brain and your heart and your soul into this experience. I mean, I was saying, I was saying on my, my own podcast that one of the things that helped accelerate that healing for me, because some people find the podcast because they're trying to heal their own burnout or adrenal fatigue mm -hmm. is I sat in the question, the possibility 
of if I had to live with this, so what? Because I didn't know what was going to happen. I didn't know if I'd ever be able to hike again. I I really didn't know what was going to happen. And I think that when you finally let go, when you finally surrender into that, it allows that peace that was always there within you, by the way, right? Right. It allows that peace to just resurface. And it's almost like a remembrance, right? It's like, oh, you can just rest into that. And that is the alignment, like the body, mind, the heart, the soul. It's that alignment of just sinking back into that remembrance. And for some reason, because your brain isn't focused on like the negative, and we, when we can stop discounting all of the positive, that's also equally happening, it allows for magic. So I know that there are people out there that take in the pause that, that we've asked them to do, and then they sit with it and they say, but my feelings come up, right? I can't control these feelings that happen. They're bigger than me. I hear this a lot. They're bigger than me. Like, yeah, I have these thoughts, but they turn into these very big emotions. So what are, what are those feelings and what do you do with them? I love this question and I just got excited because (laughs) emotions we can talk about forever. So there's a reason why. I mean, the first reason is, is that when, when we're not used to running up a big hill, we're going to be gasping for air, (laughs) for oxygen. We're just not used to it. We haven't built the muscle and we haven't strengthened and conditioned ourselves to even recognize what the emotion is. I don't know how many times I'll ask somebody So how does that make you feel? And what they'll usually start saying is, oh, well, I feel like I have to go schedule that meeting now and hurry up and talk to that person. Or, oh, I feel like I need to come up with a strategy. I was like, wait, that's not a feeling, (laughs) right? Some people don't even know what they're even feeling. And so we have to give ourselves the space to just be okay with not knowing what that feeling is yet. We have to become friends with our feelings because any no feeling is bad. They're actually just there to tell you something. They're actually messengers from a deeper part of yourself. And so that's the first thing is to just recognize that when you're not used to feeling your feelings, it is going to feel big at first because we don't even know what, what we're dealing with. We don't even know what Mr. and Miss emotion that we're dealing with. And so that's the first one. The second one is, is that the reason why feelings keep coming back and they feel so painful is because there are two ways in which we feel something. The first one is the pure essence of what an emotion is, which is just a vibration in your body. It's a sensation that's happening, right? Physically, it's it's happening. When you think about feeling anxiety or excitement, it's like that tingling sensation sometimes that we have, right? But what causes so much unnecessary pain is we have emotional drama about it that happens in our mind. And so now we are judging what we are feeling. (laughs) (laughs) I'm laughing at that because I so relate to the judging what you're feeling. We're personalizing what it means that we feel anxiety or, oh, this feeling is horrible. And so therefore it must mean that something has gone terribly wrong. And usually what I find is that most people, when they say, oh, I'm processing the emotion, is they're in that intellectual space Mm. where they're thinking about it, they're rationalizing it, they think that they're feeling it, but they're not feeling it with their body. And that is a practice. Daily. (laughs) Daily. You, yes. Yeah. Like, like moment to moment. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So I know for me that I, I, well, 
I had some trauma, right? So where does trauma play in this and how you, how it stores in your body? Like I had some trauma from my childhood that stayed in there and stayed within the body. It was so in me that it was like an automatic system. And I didn't even realize how much it controlled me, right? This trauma that was in me. And I remember a, a, a teacher, a friend and a teacher said to me, you're wallowing in it. You're wallowing. So how do you get out of the wallow or how do you get out of the trauma that's stored in the body, move past the wallowing and back into a healthier state? So I, I'm just going to say right out, I am not a trauma expert. Sure. And that is such, I mean, we all have traumas in our lives, right? Like that's such yeah. an important topic to talk about because, you know, we're humans and as humans, we're going to feel and experience all sorts of trauma. But what I would say about that is that I love how Marianne Williamson, she, she says that things happen in the past. And sometimes when we're young or when we don't have the same consciousness as we do today that we, that we didn't have in the past, we can't help that experience. And then she says, and now we're an adult and we get to think about that from this point on with this consciousness. And so, yes, we might, our body might remember something and it's going to come up with an automated emotion or trigger or like, ooh, resistance to something that we might read or see or hear or smell or whatever that is. But in this moment, there is a new experience that is happening for you and you get to have a thought about that experience. Yeah. Right? It's, it comes back to the movie, right? Like, exactly. Rather than replaying that movie, you can take, you can make a new choice. Exactly. To see a different movie. Yes, because. Of the same experience. Or this experience. Yeah. Like the, the experience of you right now experiencing some emotion or thought or movie that's playing in your mind. This is getting really meta now. Yeah. <laughs> right? But like that experience. And what do you want to think about you now, you today, having that experience? Yeah. Right. Cause in a sense, it's not even about what happened then. What we're upset about is why am I still feeling this now? Oh, that is it. That is so it. Right. Yeah. And that's what we want to address because going to the past is not going to change the past. We can't go back there and change it, mm -hmm. but what we can change is who we want to be. And in order to do that, we have to look at us right now. Yeah. We have to look at what's happening in the here and the now and the emotion that's, that, that's currently present in order to move forward. Yes, yes. Because I think it can get confusing, right? Like we think yeah. that, oh, that's the cause, so let me go back there. Right. But really, the cause of your current pain is what you're thinking about yourself right now. Right. Yeah, and so that's where we want to investigate your brain there. <laughs> that's exactly where I see, even myself, where I used to get stuck. I get stuck in the past. And it isn't even about the, the, the trauma itself or what happened to me. It's about my reaction to it right now and how I feel about it right now. Yes, it's so true. And that's what makes thought work. This, this whole, you know, investigating the mind and investigating the type of thoughts that you have, the type of questions that you're asking yourself. I think that's what makes it so fascinating because when we're, we're so close to our own brain, I'm always saying that it's so difficult to coach your own self because <laughs> the, the voice that you're listening to is the voice of reason. And what is that? The, the most familiar voice that you have is yourself. And that is what you're hearing in your brain a hundred percent of the time. 
Like you're rationalizing with your own self. And if you trust yourself, you're going to be all sorts of confused. <laughs> right. Because how many times we have conflicting thoughts? Within a thought, I have conflicting thought, right? Yeah. Like all the time. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> which, which is ultimately why, you know, even those of us that are coaches need coaches. Absolutely. Right? Every coach needs a coach. Everyone needs somebody that they, that can step outside and, and see uh, you in a way that you don't even see your own potentiality or you don't even see yourself. Yes. And let me, let me try to explain this. Cause I just read, I'm halfway through this book. It's so amazing. Her, the author is Tracy Goss and the title of the book is called the last word on power. And basically what she's saying is when you do something new with no context of what you're even doing, like why this should be so scary is you show up in a completely different way because you don't have history. You don't have context to tell you that what you're doing is kind of dumb or scary or stupid or whatever it is, or like super brave and ambitious. But let's say that you do that a few times and you fail. Now you have context. Now you have history. And for as long as you keep referring back to the past, you will never be able to move forward and show up in a way that you did when you first entered the arena, because now you're scared. Mm. Right. And so I think what a coach does is that they don't see context. They just see your potential. They just see the facts that you give them. And then they can see how you're the one that's delusional, <laughs> right? Like they see your quality of your mind and say, no, no, no. Yeah. It's so funny you say that because I have a client, a new client that I just started working with and they started to tell me a bit about that, their past identity. And I was like, not interested. And they're like, wait, what? And I was like, no, not interested because I know you as you're showing up today, right now. Absolutely. And yes, that's your past. And yes, those are things that are going to inform how you move forward, but we're not going to deal with those until they actually come up. Yes. And they were blown away by it. And they were like, oh, you mean the fact that I was an F up my entire life before this doesn't matter? And I said, exactly. Yeah. And think about, let's think about what that's actually happening in your brain. Like neuroscience says that neurons that fire together, wire together. Mm-hmm. And so if you're going to be constantly talking about your past and what happened and what you're, you're literally bonding those neurons together. You're bonding that experience at an identity level. And so, you know, when you talk about who you are, I always say, talk about where you want to go, right? Like not, not, don't bring all the past into here because all that's ever happening is your thought about the past. The past is, doesn't exist anymore. Yeah. So that's really good. I love that. And we will, um, we'll put that book in the, the show notes so people can. Please do. It's so good. I don't even like reading books on Kindle, but I wanted to read it so bad that I like just got it on Kindle. And it is, I mean, I was swiping. It was so good. So good. I am not a Kindle person either. I need to smell the book. I need to feel the book. Yes. I like a book to be a book. I know. And speaking of context, I'm like, I want to know in the context of this entire book where I am <laughs> with the physical <laughs> book. But it is so good. But it's it's worthy even of Kindle. That tells me a lot. That really tells Doesn't me it? a lot. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so how do we live a stress-proof life? How do we go about it? Yes. Let's talk about this because I spent years struggling with this myself and it wasn't until I finally realized, oh my God, 
myself included, and now everybody that I coach, all of my clients, every successful person out there that is still struggling with unnecessary stress and suffering, right? Like pain, they're missing one of three things. And you and I already know that it's brain management, emotional management, and then the third piece is training. Because let's really break this down, right? There are people out there that are Jedi, like with their mind. Like they they might meditate all the time. Like they, they are so good at being on top of their brain, knowing what to think and how to think strategically, right? Like they're training their mind for something. They know the importance of that. But when you're missing emotional management, when you're missing your heart and your body, basically, like what you're feeling, if something were to dramatically happen in life, like what's happening right now in the world. Yeah, I was going to say like COVID, you mean? Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) Something completely unexpected, right? If that was a huge curveball, or if you want to suddenly do something and up level in your life and get to that next stage, but it's going to require emotions that you've never felt before. You're not going to have any self-control because the emotions are so big that you're going to default back to changing the universe, changing the circumstance, overthinking your way into doing something. And so you're now you're working at like a hundred miles per hour when really you're just going to exhaust yourself over time. Right now on the opposite end, let's say someone's really good at managing their emotions. They train for that, right? Like they're, they're really good at feeling all of the things. But if your brain hasn't been trained as well, what is going to be happening is you're going to be so exhausted from managing all the emotions from your mismanaged thoughts, right? Now you're busy. You you can't be doing valuable things throughout the day (laughs) and building a business or going to work or loving on people because you're so exhausted from like feeling everything, from processing feelings, right? And then of course, when we have brain and emotional management, you might have peace, because your thinking is good, your emotions are good, right? But what you're not going to have is that next level success because you're not training yourself. It's like, I'm always saying that it's so funny how in the seventies, like working out was like, it was probably weird. Like now everyday people work out, right? (laughs) And so um, people know that when they don't go to the gym, your muscles will atrophy. It, you know, that's why we have gym memberships. And yet People want the magic pill. They want the psychedelic experience. They want the whoever to clear everything from their body. <laughs> we do all sorts of things because we're just like, just give it to me now so that I can be who I want to be. But if you're a human being, if you have a meat suit on, then the whole point is to continue to up level, to continue that experience. And so I'm always, I can tell immediately when I have a consult with somebody, they're missing one of these two things, if not all of them. If not all. Wow. Yeah, I, it's, you know, it, I, I, as I'm sitting here and I'm listening to you, and I know so much about you, obviously, from our friendship, but I, I'm always amazed because you say things that I say with a different vocabulary, right? Like, we really do <laughs> say Western. It is. It's like Eastern, Western, and, uh, you know, I have more of an Eastern background, so, and, and yet it's the same thing. So, throughout history, clearly this has been... It, it, science is, proves it. it. It's part of Eastern thought and philosophy. That it, it's clearly the, the human experience. Yes. Right. It, this is the human experience. I, I, I'm not even sure I have a question. I'm just sitting here mystified, and I'm letting it sink in for me what you're saying. Yeah, and it took me over a decade to really let that sink in. Yeah. 
because most people don't want to do the hard work. No. And training is hard. Feeling your emotions is hard. That's why we are so wired for concentrated pleasure. Like when we think about eating a chip or just going for a scoop of ice cream with one of your best friends, of course, that's going to feel better than sitting with your emotion. Mm -hmm. But let's really think about this. If you can feel any emotion and process that and be with yourself, that piece of chocolate will never fulfill what you can do for yourself right there in that moment. Never. And if you can master that skill, have mastery with your emotional body, what else can you do in your life? Anything. Yeah, it's so, it's so big. It's like so big that it's, it's hard to even articulate how big this piece is. Well, it's so big and so small all at the same time. I was going to say small too, yep. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? The smallness is in the the everyday doing. Yeah. This is the lot. We hear a lot in in coaching circles and as creative entrepreneurs, we hear a lot, you know, take little steps for those big goals, right? Right. This is exactly why. Yes. Because you're training yourself, right? You're training your manage the management of yourself on a moment to moment, day to day basis so that when you when the the small stuff happens that's the don't sweat the small stuff when the small stuff happens you've trained yourself for when the bigger moments will will arrive yes and let's let's stay here for just a second because i think that we've all had these moments where we just wake up or we we're in a coaching session or whatever we're doing right for our own selves and we have like that light bulb moment and we're not the same person. And we think that it was like, oh, it just happened. But it didn't just happen. Like, you you have to think about the years of experiences of trial and error and failure of, of attempting to train yourself, mm-hmm. right, if you're that person. And that's what makes it so effortless when it does happen. Because you're like, oh, my God. And, and I always thank my past self for doing the work. Yeah, so this a friend, one of, my, one of my dearest friends said to me, he said, I was going to go do some other training, some other something, self-development, something, something, something. And because I have been doing this for years and years and years, right? And, it, and he looked at me and he said, what's one more of these going to do? This was a turning point for me. He said, what, what is one more of these going to do for you? And I said, well, I don't know, but m- maybe this or maybe that or maybe this. And he said, you know, runners, they train, and they train, and they train. Every day they train, and they practice just like you do your yoga and meditation, your sadhana practice every single day. But guess what? When they go to do the race, they stop training, and they just run. He said, maybe it's time you just run. Yes. And that was, like, shattering to me. It was life-changing moment that I had done all of this training Yes. that I've been practicing, doing these practices for so long that I could now run, that I could now just be. Yes. It was incredible. It really was. Yeah. And, and that is the nuance, right? Like there's right. a difference between constantly escaping yourself mm-hmm. by thinking that the answer is out there and doing all these trainings or conferences or workshops or whatever versus the working on yourself mm-hmm. because you know that that moment will happen, right? And it was interesting because I was actually doing both, right? I was actually doing both at the same time and didn't even realize it. Mm. I didn't realize, even though I was doing all of this, this inner work, I was still going outside of myself. And in that moment is when the outside of myself stopped. Yeah. 
Because mm-hmm. yes, I still do yeah. my practice every single day. I still do my sadhana practice. Yeah. But it. Well, let's think about this though. The brain turned on as well. Yes. Like there was a different level of consciousness that shone the light on that, and then it's it's like as if it all comes together. Absolutely. It's what you're saying about meeting the three, the trilogy. Yeah. Right. It was the, the, the it was a trilogy moment for me. I love it. That is so good. That is so good. Yeah, and that's why I'm always saying. Whenever I think about doing something hard now, I think about how my future self is going to appreciate that so much more. Mm-hmm. And, and, and I really do try to, I think of that as like a down payment almost. Because it's so easy for our brain, our primitive part of our brain to just think, oh, you know, Netflix sounds so much nicer right now. <laughs> oh, there was a new season released of XYZ. You got to go watch that. Like that's just, that is more pleasurable. It really is. Like in the moment, we get such a dopamine hit from that. But is that really adding like a net positive benefit to the soul or your purpose or what it is that you really want to do? It's kind of like that chocolate analogy I used earlier. It's like that chocolate, it's it's indulgent. Like you can eat it and it feels good and there's nothing wrong with it. But if that's not what you really wanted, if you wanted something much deeper, let's look at that. Like I think that that is so much more juicier. Yeah, and I do love chocolate, but I love what's deeper more. I know, that was a hard one for me too. (laughs) I'll be real. (laughs) You know, I was asked just today, funny, just today by somebody else, I was asked, if you could time travel, would you want to go to the past or the future? And I said to them, absolutely the future. And they were like, whoa, that's really rare. And I said, yeah, no, I'd really like to go to the future because if I could go to the future and, and look back to myself and bring back the wisdom of the future to, to me right now, then I would be in a much stronger place. And then I said, however, what I'm actually realizing as I'm speaking this is that it's all at one time anyway in quantum, quantum physics, mm-hmm. right? There is, no, there is no future past. It's all right now. So really, I already have that wisdom. So good. Speaking my language, I just got the shivers. <laughs> so ultimately, I'm already that wise self. Like you were saying, I future can see myself and where yeah. I want to be. So therefore, I'm already there. Yes. Yeah. And that's why there is, that's why we know what that wisdom is. That's why when we ask ourselves the question of why is it that your future self already has this thing, we can come up with the thought. We know why. And it's about training our brain and our heart to be in that same vibration and and busting through what Gay Hendricks calls the upper limit, right? We all have this temperature that we're really comfortable with because that was our surrounding. That's what we literally saw when we were growing up. And where does the where does the reptilian brain, the old brain, come into this? The fight or flight? Where how does that fit in? What do you mean? Well, the idea of, I know that like, you know, you're, that's the, the part that keeps you safe, yes. right? And so I know it's a struggle for people to get past that safety zone, right? To get past that, 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 that thought. So how does that play into being able to, to trust the future, to trust that you're going to be there? So there's the limbic part of our brain, and then there's the prefrontal cortex right on top of that. It's like the lower and like higher brain. Yeah, this is what I'm asking for. Yeah, and, and the higher part of our brain has the conscious ability to even of what we are thinking. And so instead of believing whatever thought that comes through, 
we now have the ability to look at that thought and be the observer. You know this so well as well, yeah. yoga philosophy, right? Like we can be the observer of our own self and rationally see that we're not going to die tomorrow. That because we see the red live button, <laughs> that, that you're rolling in live, that you're not going to die. But our heart is pumping because we think, oh my God, oh my God, something's going to happen, right? And it's like, literally, it's the training of your own brain to see the type of thoughts that you are thinking. And when you can see that, you can almost see the your own neuroticism sometimes. Like if you were to dump out, like shake out your brain <laughs> and all the thoughts kind of like scattered onto the table, if you were to actually look at every one of those thoughts, First of all, you would see just how neurotic everybody is. We have 60,000 thoughts in a day, right? Second of all, you get to see like, oh, this is the state of my brain. Fascinating. But this is the state of my brain because I was on default. How do I want to think on purpose? And that's like the tapping into the future self. Because 95% of the thoughts that we thought today are the same ones that we thought yesterday and a month ago. That's why it's so hard to be a different person. Like it takes time. Because over time, you're, oh, I'm latching onto this thought. Oh, I, I now believe that affirmation. Let's bring it in, part of my identity. And that's why when you think about, like, five years ago, old Nick, 10 years ago, Nick, 20 years ago, Nick, you don't have the same thoughts, right? Those are 95% different thoughts. Oh, yeah. The way in which I used to think is, like, it couldn't be any, any more different. But I, but it's interesting because you don't see the progression in yourself. Right. Yeah. I mean, let, let me, uh, this is such a silly example, but I'm going to share it. So I used to be such a health nut, like meaning I love to monitor stats. I would go get blood work done. I wanted to see like where all my hormone levels were. Like I, I really loved that optimal um, kind of like self-actualized person. Like I just wanted to kind of see like at what point I can really push the limits of optimal health. And back then I used to track my macros. I did all of these things. And then j just recently because of like COVID and all these things, it's like your, your routine is so just not the way that it used to be. I just thought to myself, you know what, why do I, why do I feel like I'm so hungry? Let me just track my macros. I just want to see. So I downloaded the app on my phone and I just plugged in what I ate that day. And when I saw what I ate, I was like, oh, I don't know why I thought I was hungry. Like, <laughs> I don't know why. And then I go downstairs to grab some water and I open the fridge and I notice like the chocolate that I ate two pieces of earlier that day that I forgot to track. And it's like, this is what we do with our brain. When we're not monitoring our brain, when we're not chaperoning our own thoughts, I mean, no wonder we are where we are. <laughs> and that's why it's so important to literally train your brain, like understand what is your current state of your mind? What type of thoughts are you thinking? And what do you want to be thinking? Oh, that is so good. Yeah. That is so good. And I, that really determines your destiny, right? It determines so the, the quality of your life in, in the present and what's going to happen in the future, right? Yes. Because, you know, people always say, well, oh, but, you know, the, the um, uh, oh, my God, the secret, you know, the, yes. that, that, like, law of attraction, that, that, oh, that's just bull, that's, you know, I think of Ferrari, I get a Ferrari. And the, and I always say to them, think about a Ferrari, get a Ferrari is not exactly accurate. 
right? Mm-hmm. Like, yes, we can all agree that that's, that's not accurate. But if you can't see yourself in a Ferrari, you're never going to have a Ferrari. Truth. Yes. Doesn't yes. mean that you're going to get one if you think of yourself in one. But I can guarantee you, you won't if you don't think about it. Right. Yeah. It's kind of like there's um, a bundle of nerves in, in your brain. It's the reticular activating system. And whatever, you know this, whatever you're thinking your brain processes millions of bits of information per second or something like that. And so whatever you're thinking and your area of focus is on, anytime you scroll the internet or Facebook or, you know, you're talking to someone, you're walking down the street, all you're ever going to see is your brain filtering the evidence for you that you are right, that you are right. That's how, that's how wonderful your brain is. It's like, it wants to help you. <laughs> we just need to hurt it in the right direction. And so the why quality, we all- yeah. I was going to say, it's, all, it's why we all think that we're right all the time. Yes, exactly. Exactly. When you're in an argument, yeah, guess what? You're going to be right. <laughs> because if you're going to be focusing on the fact that this person always does this one thing, you're not going to see all the other things that is equally happening. Yeah, I've been talking to a lot of my, my students and clients about this in terms of COVID, right? We're seeing, the, we're seeing this the way we, we decide we want to see it, right? Yes. We can choose the way in which we see COVID. We can see it as this horrific, and it is, I'm not talking about people that are, that are dying. I'm not, because yes, that is terrible. That is not, that is not wonderful. Yes. But I'm talking about your personal day-to-day interaction within it. Yes. The fact that you're, those of us that are healthy and are cooped up and are cooped up, see, that's a choice, right? In our home, like we can choose to look at it that way, or we can choose to look at it as an opportunity for growth, for enlightenment, for a change. All that's happening during this COVID is it's placing this really big micros, uh, magnifying glass or a microscope even on your life. And it's yes. magnifying it for you to take a peek at. And now you get to choose how you're going to respond to that, right? Period. Absolutely. All it does is it rips off the Band-Aid and it shows you the pattern of your brain and your heart. Yes, exactly. That's all it's doing. It's just, yeah, it's, it is. It's magnifying what was already there. So if you're somebody that was already comfortable with feeling all sorts of things, you just feel it. But if you're not used to feeling all of that, then that's when the weight gain happens. That's when we, we kind of check out. That's why liquor is at an all-time high, like sales for liquor. It's crazy because people are escaping that. They're like, they don't want to feel or even they want to escape their mind even from having to be with their thoughts. Yeah. And that, that, and that is quote unquote stress, right? Yes. You're choosing to see it as stress or you're choosing to see it as, oh, this is an interesting experience that we're currently having. Yeah. And even stress, right? It's like there's unnecessary stress. And then there's just the, the actual fact that you are feeling stress. Right. And then there's, I don't know if you know this, but there's eustress, which is like good stress, right? I mean, there's all sorts of things, but it's the unnecessary stress. Oh, talk about this good stress thing. I want to hear about the good stress. <laughs> well, so any stress is, again, it's just a vibration in your body. Yeah. Right? But there is an actual definition. It's EU stress, so eustress. And this is just good stress. I mean, it's stress that you want to feel when you are attempting to do something new. Like if you wanted to bungee jump, you're going to feel stress in your body. The cortisol is going to go up, you know, adrenaline is pumping. <laughs> yeah. I know that good stress. That's yeah. the stretch. That, that, that's what I call the stretch stress. Yes. You are stretching yourself 
to a new level, a new, a, a, a new way, a new, a new playing field, a new something that is going to help you rise in some way, shape, or form. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Stress is not bad. It's every emotion that you ever feel, stress included, and I have a soft spot, soft spot for stress. All it's doing is it wants to show you something. It wants to tell you something. And the yes. more that we, the more that we remove ourselves from that feeling, we don't get to access that wisdom within us. It's compass. It's a Total compass to compass. guide you. Yes. It's information to take in and decide what you're going to do with. Absolutely. Susan Choi, thank you so so much for being here, sharing all of your incredible wisdom. You have so much knowledge. And you share it in a really beautiful way. And I thank you so very, very much. Thank you, Nick. So where can everyone find you? Yes. So the best place to find me is at my website. It's www.stressproofpodcast.com. And if you are on social media, it's simply at Susan Choi Wellness. We're going to put all that in there for for people to uh, be able to click right on. Y'all check out her podcast because it's a phenomenal podcast uh and as we had said i was one of her first guests and now she's one of mine full circle moment (laughs) here we are (laughs) thank you again so much i i I cherish our friendship and i cherish you taking the time to come share your beautiful wisdom with everyone listening we'll see you next time if you enjoyed this podcast, please subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. And please leave us a review so other solopreneurs like yourself can find us.